Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. <laughs> All right. We're in. Welcome back in another Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. It is Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit. Joined by Alex Barth from 98.5, the Sports Hub. And happy Halloween, everyone. As Bill Belichick likes to say, great holiday, candy costumes. Unfortunately, it wasn't a great game for the Patriots on Sunday, which we will break down. But we will start with the trade deadline because it came and went to about two hours ago at 4 o'clock here. And it was a quiet one from the Patriots today. There was a lot of speculation. They have those three guys in contract years. Josh Uche, Kyle Duggar, Mike Unwinu. I think Uche was the one. A lot of people thought that if one of these guys was going to go, it, it would be him. But Patriots stand pat. There was also some rumblings, maybe about Zeke Elliott, Mac Jones. Didn't think, uh, didn't sound like there were any calls on those guys. So Patriots, same team as they are now. Alex, is that the right move for them moving forward? I'm going to say no. But here's he, so so here's the thing. Probably not because everything we know about this team, they won't extend any of these guys. If they are going to extend, because we've talked about this a lot, they need to at some point build a core. They can't keep just churning through whether the draft picks hit or not. Frankly, and and, and the draft picks hitting is a big part of this discussion. We can we can bring it there. But whether the draft picks hit or not, you can't just constantly churn through draft picks and never actually sign any players long-term. You have to build a core around it. Zach Cox had this stat today that I thought was really good. From 2014 to 2019, which is the most... So 2020 and on, those players are still on their rookie contracts. Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, it's 2020 draft. From 2014 to 2019, the Patriots selected 19 players in the top 100. Or, sorry, in the first three rounds. I think like you have a 101 pick in there. But 19 players in the first three rounds. None of them received a second contract. None. Zero. You want to know why the Patriots are in the position they're in? That is why. There's no sustained level of talent. Now, some of those players didn't deserve a second contract. But, again, it's, it's two sides of the same coin. So, to bring it back to today. If, I think... Josh Uche is a fine pass rusher. I don't know that he's worth paying what he's ultimately going to be worth, which is why I thought he made the most sense to trade. Kyle Duggar and Mike Onwenu are good players. And Onwenu, if you play him at tackle, a good player at a premium position. If they held on to these guys today because they plan to extend them and make them part of the core moving forward, then fine. Then I get it. I still probably would have traded Josh Uche. But if... The, the market wasn't there. If, if, if they pay Onwenu and they pay Duggar, and, and like if they, Onwenu specifically, if they pay him and he's the right tackle, and now this offseason they only have to add one tackle instead of two because it sounds like Trent Brown's heading for free agency, then great. Then great. Then, all right, you kept your right tackle. You now have a right, ta- you now have a right tackle long-term. Fine. If they let these guys walk 
if Duggar and Unwenu walk and they just held on to them to win another game or two this year and, and win six games instead of five, that's a massive mismanagement of assets. And I, I don't, I, I don't comp pick one. You don't get that for two more years. It's even with the extension talk, it's concerning. Bill Belichick thinks he has the kind of job security that a third round pick two years down the road was worth not making that move today. And B, you're going to have $100 million in cap space this offseason. You should be signing players. There should be no comp pick. Yeah. It should be canceled out by the guys you add. And we can get to Chase Young in a little bit, which that I'm I'm okay that they didn't go after Chase Young. But, we, which, again, we can get to that. But unless they bring back Kyle Duggar and Mike Onwenu, uh today was a mistake. And I just just history tells us they won't re-sign those guys. Yeah, because they uh, haven't re-signed a player, a top 100 pick, in so Zach had 2014, almost a decade. That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that was my big takeaway, right? Like, let's see and wait if these guys are on the roster next year, and then fine. Like, you, you the way you get out of this hole is by getting and keeping good players. These guys are good players. We've seen it. We've watched them play here the last three, four years. Like, if you want to. Let these guys be a part of your core moving forward. And what we talked about in the past is even like this next generation of leaders, right? Like these torchbearers. These are the guys that could potentially do that for you. So if you want to keep them, if you want to pay them, more importantly, to be a part of this core going forward, fine, keep them around here. But if you're going to let them just walk in free agency and get nothing for them, then you greatly mismanage uh, this this trade deadline that just went. And yeah. I think... Trey, uh, we can talk about Chase Young because he kind of falls. That was the one rumor, or, or Jeff Howe had a report that they, the Patriots, checked in on the asking price for for Chase Young. He obviously went to the Commanders for a third round pick, kind of a fire sale down there in Washington. But like that's a buying move. But I right. think the whole premise around that is let's go out there and get a good player that. He needs an extension, so that's where it kind of got dicey if you want to give up a draft pick for him. San Fran gave up a third-round pick for him. He needs an extension, but that's a player you could bring in here. Hopefully you extend and pay and then build around him moving forward. So they didn't get that done, but now I'm sure when we get to the offseason in these free agency shows, Chase Young is going to be at the top of our list, especially with, with Uche's yeah. future maybe out, out of the picture with this organization. Which I'm fine that in trade form right now. I honestly am. And people look at that and say third round pick, you wouldn't give up that for Chase Young. I, I don't have the confidence that they would re-sign him. And if you're gonna give him the bag anyway, give it to him in free agency. You know, the Niners can make that trade. And I don't know that that I, I I'm sure they'll talk to him about it, but you know, I don't John know Lynch give him the you, you John Lynch you give him the true serum right now. Are you re, are you planning on re-signing Chase Young? He probably says no. I don't know where that's they a get move. the money from. <laughs> right. That's a move that a contender makes in a championship year. They have the flexibility to burn a third round pick to add a guy for 12 games. And that's a good move by them. That is a good move by them. Shout out yeah. to John Lynch for that one. The Patriots certainly do not have the flexibility to burn a third round pick for 10 games because what are you getting out of those 10 games? So they'll have another shot at him in free agency, which I think is great. He's the kind of guy that I would like to see them add but he's also missed 21 games in the last three years. He had a torn ACL two years ago, and he struggled to get back from that last year. He's gotten off to a decent start this year. I love the idea. 
let him go play for the Niners, see where he's at health-wise, and then we revisit in the spring. Again, I just don't think he's – I don't think he's staying there long-term. I don't think he is. If, if a team wanted him badly enough to keep him long-term, then uh, the, the commanders probably would have gotten more. I think that's why that thing dragged out. Like, I look at what the Bears did today. They gave up a top 40 pick. Their <laughs> second-round pick's a top 40 pick. For a guy that's unsigned, you have to get that extension done. That's kind of extension you got to get done, like when you announce the trade. I think that was a bad I'm, trade by the Bears. I'm shocked that we haven't gotten that extension yet. Like if it doesn't come tonight, I, exactly. like, what are they? What are they doing there? Exactly. Like, so, and, and some people said, "Oh, you could franchise them." I just think they have better franchise tag candidates and and all that. And franchising, like, all right. So you get another year that you're still probably not a Super Bowl contender of Chase Young. Um, I'm fine that they passed on Chase Young right now. And people will pull up that clip of me saying I was fine when they passed on Chase Young and call me a hypocrite when I say in the, in the spring that I want him. Two very different circumstances. Go get him in the spring. That'd be great. Especially with Matthew Judon coming off a serious injury where he's at, right? Where's he at? All that. I, I didn't need, they did not need to trade for Chase Young today. Would have been one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have blamed them for getting a good player, but if you can not give up a pick I mean, I, again like chase young isn't turning this season around right so keep your assets right. and then go pay him the money in, in free agency if he looks good and you know uche is gone and judon as you just said 31 coming off the bicep tear so the only way i might have saw, saw that is if like they traded a third for chase young and then traded uche for a fourth so like you're moving down 20 spots to upgrade that maybe i could have saw that uh unfold there but uh yeah I, i'm fine with how they handled Chase Young, and I'm fine how they kind of handled the players on their roster, again, if they go out and extend them and give them new deals to keep them around long-term. So I think that was pretty much the the most stuff from the Patriots deadline. I don't know any other things you wanted to hit on around the league or, I mean, speaking of Chase Young, like the commanders, they traded Chase Young and Montez Sweat and here they come to Foxborough next week. So that's going to be much easier uh, for Mac Jones and the offensive line, but anything else from the, from the deadline that you wanted to, to hit on? Um, that was pretty much it. I, I, you know, I wasn't surprised. I don't think Mac Jones is ever getting traded for a million reasons. I yeah. don't think he had a ton of value. I think the Patriots knew he didn't have value. They weren't going to sell low in general. It's very rare to see quarterbacks get traded at the deadline. It's, it's not like baseball or basketball we would just plug a guy into a lineup and he kind of does his thing, right? You got to, especially at the quarterback position, you're talking about a guy has to learn an entire playbook that you usually get, you know, OTAs, mini camp, training camp to learn. You got to dive right into that. So teams usually don't like moving quarterbacks mid season. I don't think Mac Jones has shown anything that would make a team feel like there was an exception. There was no market for quarterbacks in general. The Vikings went out, got one guy, Josh Dobbs, that I think the Cardinals couldn't wait to get rid of because he was he was making it too close to them winning some games. So I, I know people wanted to see it. And I, I, I there's this weird sort of, um, I don't know, there's this sect of the fan base with Mac Jones that it's just, look, the guy hasn't been good. I get it. You, you, you're ready to move on from a quarterback. As a quarterback, there's a section of the fan base that's started to make it really personal, which is disgusting, but just was like, yeah, I want to see him get traded. It's going to be horrible for him. Like, it was never going to happen, and you're a bad person for looking at it that way. So, Yeah, especially with what they've told us about the other quarterbacks on their yeah. roster, right? Like cutting Bailey Zappi and cycling through third strainers there. But uh, one other name I'll throw at you 
Tyquan Thornton, were you surprised that we didn't get any rumblings out of there, or would that be another? You're selling really low, obviously, on a on a player who was a second round pick, and now with Kendrick Bourne out for the year, suffering that torn ACL uh, against Miami, he just landed on IR about an hour ago. It may be Devonte Parker missing some time too here with that head yeah. injury. Is that just all right? Let's. This is like Tyquan's chance. Like this is your trial run for for next for next year. These last nine ten games. Maybe a little bit of that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were conversations about Thornton if the Patriots didn't want it getting out there. Uh, there, there's a handful of teams I think that it would make sense to call. The Chiefs desperately need wide receivers. We know they can make speed work. The Steelers reportedly loved him before the draft. That's why the Patriots traded up to get him from 52 to 50 to jump the Steelers. So maybe they're a team that you know they could use wide receiver help. They've been good. Maybe would and they were never going to get a lot. Uh, the Patriots for Thornton. You're talking about maybe a sixth, seventh round pick swap, yeah. kind of the trade they made with Jay Z Jackson. But uh, there were some teams that it made sense to call. With the injuries, kind of once it got to that point, it's like, all right, they're probably not going to trade him. But I, just because it wasn't reported there was an interest, I would be surprised if not one team called and just said, hey, what's the deal? And they might have said, yeah. look, we can't move him. We have too many injuries. We can't do it. But I'd be surprised if nobody called. And I think he's a guy, you know, we did this with Nikhil Harry. He was going to his fourth year rather than his third year. But remember that offseason? We all kind of knew he was going to get traded. And then it just went, I think it was like a Friday afternoon. It just dropped like, boom, seventh round pick to Chicago. Like, I, he's still a guy that trade that's a trade candidate. I think uh, moving forward, it, it didn't happen right now, but no more guaranteed money on his contract. I'd be surprised if he's a Patriot week one next year. Yep, I agree with you there. But that's most of the trade deadline talks. So we can transition over to the game that happened on Sunday. But before we do that, let's quickly hear from our friends over at FanDuel. Yes, let's do that. Snuck up on me there. <laughs> let's uh we got, two to, we got two today so we gotta do we okay all right well, let's hear in. from FanDuel first score early this nfl season with FanDuel, america's number one sports book right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads, you got your player props, you got over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so to the field, the Patriots lost 31-17, dropping them to 2-6 and six on the year. Kind of a similar offensive game plan, I thought, against Buffalo, right? Like a lot of motion still again, a lot of play-action passing, similar run game stuff, but they just didn't execute it as well as they did against Buffalo. Really only one true touchdown drive, and that came 
like in the fourth quarter, down two scores. Their other 10 points were off turnovers. Mac had another pretty bad interception. So we kind of said last week either that was the anomaly and it was the blip in the radar, that Buffalo game, or they were going to kind of turn their season around and get back on track and build off of that. And that did not happen. And I think the Buffalo game was like the best case scenario you were looking at for this offense. Yeah, this was what we talked about all week last week, right? Like, we knew they could play that game. And, and, and they've played that game from time to time. I mean, really, since the Cam Newton year, like, there's been pops. There's the Seattle game where Cam threw for, what, 300-something yards, right? That big Edelman game they lost on the goal line. They hung 50 on Jacksonville in 2021. I'm trying to think of the one from last year. I mean, they won seven games, so there must have been a moment where they were, like, decent. And, and then you have the Buffalo game this year. So... They've popped from time to time, but consistency is the question. And this is a consistency league. Bill O'Brien talked about today how small the margin of error is in the NFL. That comes down to consistency. And they went back to making the kind of mistakes that they were making before the mm -hmm. Buffalo game. So can they play the game they played against Buffalo? Yes. I just don't – I don't think they can do it every time out. And this is what you saw. Remember, I get, we went through that whole thing. I think they clipped it as an Instagram reel. Uh, CLNS did after that game where I said, you know, how many more times can the Patriots play this game? Is it 10? Is it eight? Is it four? Is it two? Uh, it's feeling a little closer to the lower end right now because they went, they, they, yeah, again, it's just, it's a lack of consistency. And I think consistency is the most underrated trait across all sports, players, teams, what have you. And you're seeing why, like they just don't have it. Yeah. The, the O'Brien quote, I thought really was like summing it up. Their margin of error is so slim because, you know, they lack, top-end talent, especially against a team like Miami, as you saw. And they just got to be perfect in everything they do. And you see these flashes in game, like that explosive to the Farrah Brown off play action. The Kendrick Bourne touchdown was a nice play all around with the offensive line picking up a stunt to the Mac hitting them. But it, it's just not consistent enough. And unfortunately for Mac, we're kind of back on this, this roller coaster where it's you're going up after that Buffalo game. Can he build off that momentum? And then he just kind of tanks right back down, in my opinion. I don't think like he was very good. He had that the interception. It was a late kind of a bad ball. He was fading backwards. And then he missed some. O'Brien, uh, Andrew Callahan asked, or I think it was Andrew who said uh, to O'Brien this morning that Mac Jones hasn't hit a, or attempted a pass over 20 yards since week five against the Saints. And, and he's over three on those that he's four for 23 on the year. Like they're not pushing the ball downfield. And when they asked O'Brien about that this morning, he, he said there were some chances against uh, Miami. They tried, but some stuff happened. And I don't know if some stuff was Mac, but there were a few deep passes that it looked like he could have completed there. It was right after the fumble and that, that, third quarter to open the third quarter he had parker on kind of that deep crosser and he just got to his check down like really quickly and then i thought on that other sack uh in the second half he had you could argue he had pop running across and then i thought he had like jalen rager going going deep but he drops his eyes to the rush and i know a lot of people were yelling at trent brown on that play because it looked like he might have quit on the sack but like it was a four plus second sack like there was a chance for mac to kind of step up i thought and lay it out there for jalen rager so like i don't know where we are with mac we're just back down on that roller coaster and he just can't like string together positive performances and you got to grind out 17 points every week it's just it, it just hasn't been good we talk about a lot with quarterbacks and he's talked about this how important it is for a quarterback to have a short memory. 
And I don't know that it's something he was ever tested with at Alabama with the talent that was around him. Some probably went under the radar in his evaluation, but he he's fine until he makes the first mistake. He's fine until he made it, it against Buffalo. He didn't make the mistake. It was great, but it he was he, it, he's night and day a completely different quarterback after that interception. Well, he's I'm not saying he's an all pro, but he's getting him up and down the field. And then he throws that pick, and now he's getting jittery feet. He's holding the ball for five or six seconds. He's not setting his base. His mechanics fall apart. It's that he just can't get over it. He's so afraid to make the second mistake, and whether that's just inherent whether that's the way the Patriots have handled him with uh, the way he was brought back last year with the benchings this year, whatever it is, I, I, it's probably a combination of all of it. Uh, he just, he, he doesn't have the ability to rebound mentally right now. And it's impacting his game too much. That interception, that's a thrown NFL quarterbacks got to make. I, and I, I, I think Kendrick Bourne is open there. I think Kendrick Bourne is open and he has two options to me on that play. He either puts the ball on Bourne's outside shoulder, if you you gotta might have to pull up the play to look along, but basically puts the ball on Bourne's outside shoulder at the 15 yard line, essentially making that a back shoulder fade up the sideline. That's a gain of like eight nine yards. And on that back shoulder, you're pulling him away from Ramsey, or he has to really zip it in there and lead Bourne up the field so the ball gets to, to Bourne before Ramsey can jump on it. Now, and so it, it, he doesn't either. He puts it up the field, but he lobs it. He throws a touch pass instead of zipping it and, and he's like he's doing that fading backwards thing too right. where like yeah. that where we when we talk about like he's broken like that's the type of like the footwork fading away from the rush that type of stuff that he just can't get out of it get out get out of his mind there which now maybe it's a bad read he didn't see ramsey maybe it's a bad throw he said after the game it was a bad throw which goes to your point the mechanics fell apart on the play if you want to believe me if you don't want i don't know it's an interception it's the wrong play most cornerbacks jump on that and break it up. You do got to give some credit to Jalen Ramsey here. I, it's a great play yeah. by a great player. I know I spent the last week kind of trashing him. He was really good on Sunday, but that's just, that's a throw one way or the other, either leading the guy up the sideline or hitting him on the back shoulder for the fade. That's a throw an NFL quarterback has to make. And he has made that throw from time to time. I have seen it. He just doesn't do it regularly enough. He doesn't do it consistently enough. And it's one thing like no quarterbacks. Perfect. You're going to have misses, but when your entire game falls apart after the miss, it it's too, it, 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 then it's too late and it doesn't matter. So I, that's just where I'm at with him. I think that there, he's not consistent enough to have, uh, to, to get as rattled as he does after a mistake. And he, he makes too many mistakes to not be able to overcome them. So it's, kind of what we saw before that Bills game. He was able to make it work in the Bills game. He's been able to make it work from time to time. There's games in his career where he's been able to do it, but there's just too many games where he doesn't compared to the games that he does. Yeah. So you imagine he's still the starter going forward because, yeah. Ken, they don't like their quarterbacks behind them. The Cup Bailey's happy. You know, we, we've talked about that a lot. But what, like, where are you at with him? long term here did that change your opinion at all because again you know that roller coaster last week we're talking about if he can build off that if he can have seven eight games like that then you're talking about you know maybe his fifth year option or you're building around him on the last year of like his true rookie deal but like i just don't know how many more of these up and down performances we can take and i truly just think he's kind of broken and i don't know if that's something that they can afford to build around going forward 
it might just be best to either restart the clock. We'll, we'll see where their draft pick is, but restart the right. clock on a fresh rookie deal or, or get a cheap veteran. Like I keep saying Jacoby Brissett, like bring him back and build around something that way. But no, no like, bridge quarterback. I, you got to go to the draft. You, you got to go, especially if, if Bill does have that extension and he's chasing that wins record and he wants to get one more ring. You can't good quarterbacks aren't available. It, it, it's such a rarity. It's the first like, round. You have to get them in the right. first round. Not even the first round, like veteran quarterbacks. Like the, the idea that, oh, we're going to add Jacoby Brissett and maybe build around it. You could do that. You wouldn't see teams reach in the first round like they do. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, that whole thing was kind of a fluke. You had the end of an era where there was so much excess of quarterback talent. Like there's no, th- that guy doesn't exist anymore. There's no more. The quarterbacks aren't moving. They're not. The, the quarterbacks that can win are on teams they're going to win with. Jacoby Brissett, even Kirk Cousins now coming off that injury. Like these guys are stop gaps that if they make that move, it means they're trying to get back to the playoffs unsustainably. They just want one year where they can be decent enough to sneak a wild card spot and get back to the playoffs. That should not be the goal. The goal should be getting back to the Super Bowl, even if it means you're not as good in 2024, but you're building something compared to just like trying to throw. That's what the Red Sox do. Throw a bunch of pieces together uh, next year to try to make one sort of run at, at a playoff spot. I think they got to go to the draft. It's it's still, you know, I, I still think Williams is going one one as much as he struggled recently. I still think it's it's Mayor Penix, however it shakes out, and that's why the trade deadline today. If they don't end up extending Kyle Duggar <clears throat> or Mike Conwen, it was frustrating because I've been working on this take, Brian. Actually, you'll be the first one to hear it. All right. Uh, the NFL draft order, the order in which the picks are initially assigned is one of the most overrated concepts in sports. The idea that, oh, we, you know, we're picking second, they're picking third, shouldn't matter. If you believe Drake May or Michael Penix is the guy, you, you need to get up to third to get him and you're picking fifth, you should be able to make that happen. Period, full stop. There's no reason I mean, that shouldn't be able to happen. The, the, Panthers, more, the Panthers went from like 10 to 1 last from year. From 9 to 1, yep. Uh, of the yeah. of the 20 quarterbacks drafted in the top 10 in the last 10 years, nine of them were acquired with picks via trade. And that's including the first overall pick. When you take the first overall pick out, more than half of the quarterbacks drafted in the top 10, the team moved up to get them. That's the price of doing business in the NFL, plain and simple. And people say, well, if you're worse, you don't have to give up as much. Well, one, again, this is just how it's done. And two, there is something to be said for you're also going to want to add free agents. And if you're picking that high to begin with, you're not going to be a good team, but there's a difference. There's a stigma, like a good team versus an embarrassing, a bad team versus an embarrassing team. And you win two games. It's going to be a lot harder to convince free agents to come versus if you win maybe five or six, and that's still not great, but that feels like it's worth the trade-off for those picks. You're going to move. Now it's one thing, you know, if you end up 20th, and you need to get yeah. up into the top five. That's one thing. But if you're at five or six and you need to get up to three, that should be done. That's very doable. That should be done. So I I still just think, like I see this in the comments here, you know, I hope they lose every game for the rest of the season so they get a top five pick. I guess that's not, that's not the only way to get a top five pick. It shouldn't come down to that to get a top five pick. If they're sitting there at five, and let's say Drake May goes three, and there's a quarterback hungry team at four, you can't be sitting there saying, 
Well, we know we need a quarterback. Eh, we won too many games. What are we going to do? No, if you think that's the guy, you got to figure out a way to get up from five to four to get the guy. That's yeah. just how it's done in the NFL if you want to go out and get yourself a franchise quarterback. So I pulled up the draft trade value chart and to go from five to four. And, and you know, these aren't exact science, but this is right. pretty good value chart. Like to go from five to four is usually a fourth round pick and to go from five to three is a third round pick. So All right, right and, back and to the trade deadline if it's a today, quarterback, right. If it's yeah. a quarterback, it's usually a little bit more, but call it a five and two thirds or, or yeah. sorry, first and two thirds or first and two fourths. But to your point, so if you don't have like you could have used those extra picks you got today to potentially move up there. So another reason like you got to go back and sign Michael Winu and, and pay Kyle Duggar to make sure you right. didn't blow that opportunity to eventually help you uh, in the draft there. But so that was that was Mac talk. We can get to some of the rest of the offense. Uh, I did want to give them credit. I thought they handled the wide receiver room well to start the game, and then unfortunately, you yeah. know. Devontae Parker went down and Kendrick Bourne went down, which, I mean, Kendrick Bourne, man, I mean, that's, I feel for him, obviously, in a, in a contract year. He's He's been playing so well. He's been their most productive receiver, but I don't know how an offense that was second, 31st in the league, averaging 14 points, now you lose your best receiver. That's going to be tough. But I did like how, you know, it was Kendrick Bourne, it was Demario Douglas, then you rotated in Jalen Rager and Devontae Parker at the X. I didn't think Juju was even going to play. He didn't take a snap till the fourth quarter when Kendrick Bourne went down. So I, I like how they handled the receiver room. Now we'll see how it looks without probably Parker and definitely Bourne. Maybe, you know, you assume Taekwon is back in the mix. Maybe Keishon Booty finally gets back out there and can, can, you know, see the field for the first time since week one. But I will give him credit for, for that receiver room. Yeah, I um, in in case uh, 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 tomorrow Douglas looked good. Yeah, there on Kendrick Bourne's touchdown, the Dolphins doubled them. He, the whole thing we talked about dictating coverage, right? Which, by the way, how DeAndre Hopkins do this week? <laughs> uh, we talked about the need to get a wide receiver and dictate coverage on that play. Tomorrow Douglas commands a double team. You get Kendrick Bourne the one on one. He wins. Boom! Touchdown. It didn't happen every play, but. He was doubled there a little bit, and he's clearly a guy teams are paying attention to. Now, he's going to need to find out a way to figure – he's going to need to figure out a way to continue to produce while that happens, and that's not something that's going to happen like, you know, one week, right? That's going into his second year. We'll talk about the year two jump, but I, I was very encouraged by what I saw from Pop Douglas on Sunday. Yep. I, I think he's continuing to build on what's been a fantastic start, and yeah, he's got to be – he, he's got to be their most used receiver moving forward. He's got to be in that slot. Julian Edelman, Wes Welker role. Like that's got to be him. They finally, forward, they not coming off the finally field. got him in that, that juke in the hospital. Yeah. Hospital hospital juke. juke, right? Like they finally got him there lined up against a linebacker makes, makes miss 12 yard gain. I loved how it was kind of like the same cut as the week two game where he fumbled and, you know, you see him cut back up field and he puts that extra hand on the ball. I, I like that, but yeah, he's going to be their, their main guy going forward. And, uh, with Pop, because he's been one of the most targeted guys, I'd say, in their motion and their RPO packages. I wanted to talk about that because uh, Evan asked Bill O'Brien about RPOs today and how they're, you know, running them and how they're reading them. And, you know, O'Brien kind of said, we don't really run many RPOs because of how the league calls it. Like all those ineligible man downfields, like they run advantage throws is what he said. So, 
Max kind of making a pre-snap read. And I think Evan posted the clip too, where it was, uh, they, they ran a screen to pop where they had three receivers out to the max, max right on two defensive backs. So Mac throws that ball, you know, right away. Like that's his pre-snap read. He sees a three on two, three on two. So he throws the screen, but he could have handed it off to Zeke because the whole thing with the RPOs is the, there was a motion and it pulled the linebacker out. So he could have handed it off to Zeke and, you know, if it's a five man box it looked like a big run, but they're running these advantage throws where it's all pre-snap read. So did you have any like thoughts on that? Because this goes back to really like Mac was so good on these RPOs and they didn't run them with Josh McDaniels. They didn't run them with Patricia Nat last year. We thought Bill O'Brien would come in and, you know, implement this great Alabama RPO package. And now, you know, they're, they're not really running them how they're meant to be run really. Yeah. They felt limited. I, some of that might be due to injuries. It's just, it's, they, they might not feel they have their personnel for it. Cause you, you feel like Juju was going to be a big part of that. And he obviously hasn't been able to get on the field short of injuries. So it's tough to say. Yeah. Uh, any last offensive things? I thought, I mean, the O-line was, the guard rotation was kind of weird. I'm guessing that was because of the Miami heat. They just wanted to get those guys in and out. I thought City So was good again. Uh, Awenu was solid. Wasn't Trent's best game, but he's clearly, you know, battling through something. He had his ankle taped up. Uh, he's been on the injury report with a knee. All the reporters down there said he was limping, limping pretty well. I thought Mondre looked good, looked like old Mondre breaking some tackles. But any other uh, quick notes there you had from the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, that Mondre looked good. Um, I, I think you pretty much hit on all of it. The guard rotation. Uh, we'll see if that was because of the Miami of the Heat, Miami, or if they do it again this week against what is still a good Washington defensive front, even after they traded their two sack leaders. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yep. All right, so we can jump over to defense, but before we do that, we got to hear from our other friends over at LinkedIn today. All right. Let me tell you that this show is brought to you by LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can't trade in business. You got to just go out and, and, and sign free agents and find people. And LinkedIn Jobs will help you do that. They'll make it easy as well. Add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Adding the right team member can make a big difference. You can have that kind of addition as well. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat, B-E-A-T. To post your jobs for free, terms and conditions apply. All right, so defensively, they gave up 31 points, couple, you know, you're going to give up explosives to Miami. That's what uh, Miami does, but I'll give them some credit. Like I thought they tried to punch back and that's kind of what bad teams do, right? Like try to make, you know, dictate the game on your terms. They, they blitz to a more, they got a little more pressure, played a lot of man coverage behind it, but 
forced a couple turnovers too, like Kyle Duggar. Finally, we we saw some Kyle Duggar with that interception on on a good design, taking away some of those in breakers. But uh, what was you know you have one big kind of takeaway from from the defensive performance there, even though zero and six against Tua now. That's just they can't they can't solve him completely. Well, one you go through those games, the the offense has been atrocious. Yeah, that's more uh, that that's more. Whoever, I guess it's been a couple of coaches, but that's more the Patriots being unable to score in Miami. I think their average point total. Um, well, I know the 34 points they scored, it's the highest to have scored in any of his wins against Belichick. So it's not like he's hanging it on. As for their game plan, I was very surprised the way they pro- approached it in the secondary because they had a good plan for Tyree Kill last time out. Six catches, 40 yards, a touchdown, which is good on a guy like that. And I know they didn't have Christian Gonzalez and he hurt and that hurt and it wasn't going to be as good, but you got Jonathan Jones, who's been the stopper for Tyree Kill, going back to Hill's days with the Chiefs, and it felt like every big third down in the red zone, it's it's either J.C. Jackson or Miles Bryant on Tyree Kill, and those are just not the kind of guys that can, def- can defend a guy like Tyree Kill. Some of that was because they weren't in man, they were in zone. They were in very, very soft zones, which didn't help, but having, I do not get how they have Jonathan Jones healthy, and I know he was on the injury report, but if he's healthy enough to be out there, he's healthy enough to for you to at least try to put him on Tyreek Hill. Because what's the other option? Covering Jalen Waddle, it's not like he's any slower. I just don't understand what the coverage plan was in this game. It wasn't good. Period. Full stop. It wasn't good. It was soft coverage. The matchups didn't make sense. They did get one pick. They had one nice little design where they baited to it with, with something that looked like a play they ran in week two and then was a little different. And great. Fine. Be, that was it. That was it. And and on top of that, they failed to get pressure with Miami for most of the game playing four backup offensive linemen. Uh, yeah. I, I just, it, it was a questionable game plan and the execution wasn't there on top of it. It was, that was probably all things considered that might've been the worst defensive effort we've seen from them this year. And I, I know they got lit up by the Cowboys, but you had how many defensive touchdowns by the Cowboys in that one that like the Patriots defense was not responsible for new Orleans. Same thing. Uh, I, I just, the, the the defense, really the one short field the defense had, I believe after the Mac Jones, they held Miami to a field goal there, right? They didn't allow Miami to yeah. score a touchdown despite that yeah. big return from Jalen Ramsey. So the one short field the defense got, they handled. But I just thought that too soft in the passing game. Specifically, they had two third and 14s uh, on that early drive. That. Yep. They give up 13 yards on one and then the first down on the next play and then 10 yards on the other. And then the first down, the next play, the, the Dolphins were 0 for seven and two of 10 for the year on fourth down going into that game. They went for three for three, including two on that early drive. I know people want to complain about the refs. I get it. And the refs were bad in this game. They were bad. There's zero reason that Devontae Parker hit shouldn't have been a penalty. Zero yeah. reason. But that being said, the, the, the call on JC Jackson on Tyree kill on the end zone on that third and six sucks. Don't give up two third and 14s. And he won't be in that position. The refs were bad, but they're not the reason the Patriots lost the game. Giving up third and 14s is the reason the Patriots lost the game. And they they gave up, there was like another third and 15 or third and 16, right? Where there was like the screen to Ahmed or whatever. And I think that was a, a, on the next drive. And he just breaks a few tackles and he picks that one up easily. So like, I thought the sit like they started, the first two drives defensively were good. They were they started decent on third down, but then the situational defense kind of fell apart 
I thought it, like, those long distances on fourth down, as you talked about, and there were, there were a lot of communication issues. I don't know. And, and Juwan Bentley went down. He wore the green dot. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Kyle Duggar took over, but like Tyreek Hill's 42 yard touchdown, JC and Marte Mapu, right? Like the motion in the backfield tricks them and they both take a step forward. And if you take one step forward against Tyreek Hill, like you're toast. And then they they had one nice play earlier where I think it was Jalen Waddle came in motion and they passed it off nicely with, with Miles Bryant and, and JC Jackson and Miami converted. It was just good offense beats good defense. But then on it was kind of that same thing on the Jalen Waddle touchdown to ice the game. He comes in motion across and you know. John Jones picks him up and Jack, you know, he's expecting Jack Jones to bail off and switch. And they both take Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle's wide open for a touchdown. So I thought like the communication was, was probably one of the biggest things that cost them. And I mean, you just, Miami's going to get some explosives, but giving them like easy ones like that, like that's just a death sentence against that offense. I'll tell you this. They really missed Devin McCourty in this game. All year. <laughs> I, all year, but especially in this game. But we talked about this a little in the offseason. We we kind of put it to the side because uh, there were just other storylines. They never they never added another free safety. Like they met with Tyler Rapp and free agency, so they clearly knew they needed to, but they never did it. And it like they were gonna try putting Kyle Dogger back there. Kyle Dogger's not a free safety. I know I just said they should resign him and all that, and they should, but not to play. If he's going to play free safety, don't. Don't, because he can't do it. He's a strong safety. He's a really good strong safety. He's a really good box safety, but that's what he is. They need to prioritize going out and getting a true center field free safety this year. And you're not going to get somebody that's going to replicate what Devin McCourty did. That's just not realistic, but you need somebody who can come close. And they don't have that. You, you saw in that game where if you're going to be playing teams like Miami with that kind of speed, you need a center fielder, a guy that can cover a lot of ground on the field on the back end, and that's just not a guy they have right now. That was really? Dev McCourty, and they don't have that guy right now. And they kind of experimented a little bit with Mapu, Marte Mapu in that role against Miami. Didn't go great. Again, like I still think he's a second-level like linebacker, but it doesn't look like they're going to use him at all there, which who could have saw that coming when they drafted him, right? A, a 200 20 30 pounds linebacker who would have who would have guessed that they were going to move him to safety but um yeah we'll see going forward and and Juwan Bentley who we mentioned briefly like he left with a hamstring injury he was playing good before that like they stopped the run which which was a good one like they got gashed on the run back in week two and I thought they kind of held their ground better there but you know, that's another piece. Like that's one of your best defenders who's on the injury report now, probably with a hamstring injury. So I know they worked out linebacker, uh, Tayshawn Bauer, who we all remember Bauer from the wonderful COVID years. But so we'll, we'll see if anything happens there. They'll have a roster spot with Kendrick Bourne on IR, maybe a practice squad elevation, a practice squad spot opens up. But um, so we'll see with Bentley. Uh, I will give Mac Wilson some flowers playing a larger role in Bentley's absence and on the edge even uh, with, with Uche out the past few weeks. I thought Mac Wilson's been playing well. Uh, Christian Barmore stayed hot. Tavai Jennings, like not doing anything sexy, but just doing their job really well along the edge. And uh, Keon White too, I'll give him a shout out. I thought he came back missing that last game with a concussion and was pretty disruptive. 
in the run game and drew a few holds too uh, as well so nice to see him bounce back and play a a career high in snaps too i believe a high i think he was in the 80s so good to see that usage and good to see him uh playing well yeah i, I think keon white coming back is big because they're going to need to figure out something on the edge um just to, to go back to something you said on mapu he's got to play linebacker if, yeah. if they draft him to play safety like this is what i said at the time when they when they made the pick if they draft him to play linebacker and they're going to change things defensively great if juan bentley's going to miss time now's the perfect time to do it two and six what do you have to lose he's not a safe like he could be a box safety but you have kyle Duggar, you have jabro peppers you have adrian phillips who can't get on the field who maybe should be getting on the field if they're having communications issues i that's that's just not a great sign for that pick that they're refusing to play him at linebacker because he's a he's a the the all the upside with him is at linebacker. He can play safety and he'll he'll be fine at it in the long term. He'll be okay. It's like a rotational safety. You draft a guy in the top 100. You draft a guy in the third round for the upside. And I just don't think you get the upside out of him taking him where they did. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm still, playing him where they did. Playing him where they did. Yeah. I'm still just waiting for them to let Kyle Duggar walk and just say, oh, well, we drafted Marte Mapu, so that's the that's the replacement, but. No, I, I agree. Like when he, he got drafted and we saw him in the spring running all around at all these different spots, we're like, put him next to Juwan Bentley and let Juwan Bentley be, you know, your hammer kind of there, come downhill, your old school thumper, and then let Marte Mapu handle everything else. Like he's got the speed, the athleticism, the run sideline to sideline, cover sideline to sideline, one of these new age linebackers. And they're just not they're just not doing it. He plays down there sparingly, like once in a while, but he's been mostly safety. We we talked to uh Brian Belichick this morning, the safeties coach, and I'm pretty sure he said like he he was talking about Mapu like he's in their room all the time. So like it sounds like he's being coached up in the in the safety room. So kind of disappointing, disappointing to see that usage there. But probably should have been expected when I think it was except expected when they drafted him. But any other last defensive notes, thoughts, anything going forward you had from that side of the ball? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Yep. All right. So uh, unless you had anything else, wrap this up. Um, two and six. That's where they're at like with the commanders coming to town. Fifth pick of the draft if you're into that type of stuff. But uh, any any last thoughts here before we before we log it off? Uh, we can work in a quick uh, college football minute here because we do get, uh, I think it's at 8 o'clock, might be at 9, uh, the first college football playoff rankings of the year come out tonight. Who you got? Who are your top four? Uh, okay, let me pull up the teams. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Definitely, uh, I think Georgia will still be in there because they haven't lost, obviously. I'd still put Florida State in there. Yeah. Um, Ohio or will they put Michigan and Ohio State in there? They might. So here's what I'm wondering. The committee can get, I don't know if sanctimonious is the right word. I would not be surprised if the Connor Stallion sign ceiling thing factors into the ranking. Bumps them just to like fifth and be like, Bumps oh, fifth, right. You have to beat Ohio State basically to get in. That kind of thing. So, so it'd be I'm, like Georgia, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Michigan. Yeah. That's yeah, where, that's where I have it. And then Texas, 
Oregon, Alabama would be the next next group out in that order. I think that that Oregon win over Utah, nobody wins at Utah. Nobody. They're the giant killers in the Pac-12. They beat USC. I mean, we'll see what they do against Washington, but like they, they that's what they do. They knock off the ranked teams. Utah is the reason the Pac-12 can't get a playoff team. That win for Oregon is massive to me. That that win keeps them. If they beat, assuming they win out, they got USC next week uh, in in Watson Stadium. So that's a game they should win. Assuming they win out, if they beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship, they should be they the got team. Yeah, And I, I say this as somebody who thinks they're a little overrated, thinks Bo Nix is a little overrated. I do like Dan Lanning, but I, I think the roster is a bit overrated. If they win out from here and beat Washington, they're a playoff team. They just, they, they have to, even with one loss, you got to find a way. I, I'm putting a one loss Oregon team in over one loss Michigan or one loss Ohio State team. I think I am. Yeah. I mean, the a, 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 a at, conference at, champion, you would assume that yeah, whoever wins that Michigan, point, Ohio State wins, wins the big 10. Yeah. yeah say so. at that point, like they'd be test, like they'd have a much better resume. I, I would think, especially if you come back and beat Washington, like that's your one loss and right. you come back and beat them. But I mean, Bo Nix versus like Georgia, like there you go. If you want to be a first round pick or a top 10 pick, Bo Nix, like go light up Georgia in the college football playoffs or, or have a good one. So uh, that, that would be, that would be a good game. That would be a good game. I'd look forward to that, but yeah, those are my kind of my top four for now. So, so we'll see with that, but any other college football thoughts? Um, I think that's pretty much it. We can get into some yeah. of this week's games later this week. So, yeah. We'll talk about that Thursday, and we'll talk about another Patriots game on Thursday because the Washington Commanders come to town, even minus their two best edge rushers. So we'll be back to preview that one on Thursday and preview the college football slate. We'll talk some draft prospects, of course, as always. But until then, you can follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth and go read all his Patriots coverage over at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines and go read all my Patriots work over at patspulpit.com. Thank you all as always for tuning in. Have a wonderful Halloween and we will see you guys later this week.